This podcast may contain mature content, strong language and spoilers. Hello and welcome to episode 29 of the HD Movie Podcast. I'm Darren Gaskell. And I'm Hayley Alice Roberts. And it's another movie in our Summer of Sharks series. It's the fourth one. So we'll be taking another dip into the shark-infested waters right on the other side of this. This episode's Summer of Sharks movie is 47 Metres Down, Uncaged, directed by Johannes Roberts, who also directed the original, and this is a sequel of sorts. But what happens in it? What's the synopsis, Hayley? So, two stepsisters and their friends diving in a ruined underwater city quickly learn they've entered the territory of the deadliest shark species in the claustrophobic labyrinth of submerged caves. Okay, sounds good. I'd seen the original 47 Metres Down in the cinema and found it to be quite a claustrophobic experience. I don't think it was the greatest shark movie I'd ever seen, but it was entertaining enough. It had some quite good suspense in it. And I think Janus Roberts is a pretty decent director. He did a movie called F quite a few years ago, which was a school set thriller, which is quite dark and quite grimy. This is a bit more glossy. I think he's moved into more mainstream fare. But um, overall, I think I had a pretty decent time with this one. Yeah, so I only recently saw the first 47 metres down in preparation to watch the sequel uh, for this episode, and I really enjoyed it. It was very suspenseful, kept me engaged, and um, I really enjoyed the concept of it. It was absolutely terrifying, and as you say, a very claustrophobic experience. I think it would have had that next level if I'd seen it in the cinema at the time, but even so, like, I stayed with it throughout. So we had the ordeal of the first one, and we're going back (laughs) for round two. So Uncaged is a standalone sequel, so it's basically taking a similar concept. It's people trapped underwater, the sharks involved, but the characters are not connected to the characters of the first movie. The setting is the same. It's set in Mexico. But other than that, this, you know, you don't necessarily have to see the first one to see this one. But I would recommend seeing both um, because they're both quite inventive in their own ways. I really enjoyed the concept of this. They're like in the first one, they're in a cage. And obviously this one, they're not, hence the title. But I really kind of like the idea of this like underwater city and all these different um, amazing things that they could discover down there. And then also being kind of trapped and then trying to make their way out. It's, it was all really, really suspenseful stuff. In a way, it kind of has the essence of like early to mid 2000s horror movies. I'd like to say this is kind of like the descent underwater for me in a lot of ways. 
Yeah, that's a quite a good comparison, really. It does open the plot out, both figuratively and literally, so you've got a much bigger playing area for this movie, and you've got a bigger cast as well. So you've got the usual kind of... not. I mean, I'm not going to say generic, but you've got the group of young girls thrown together in a situation that's not entirely of their own making, trying to escape, and it's the usual who's going to get out, who isn't. One thing about this movie is, although it tries to throw you a few curveballs, you kind of know who's going to make it out at the end, just because of the setup. But it does try quite hard in making you think people are going to die, even to the point where you think, well, surely they're not going to be able to get out of that, but they somehow manage it. Having said that, it's a fairly pulpy piece of entertainment. I don't think it's trying to tax you in terms of its plot or its developments. It's just trying to deliver some shark action, which it does reasonably well. I think the CGI for the sharks is generally okay. You can see the join occasionally, but it's not the worst CGI I've ever seen. And it does quite skillfully skirt around some of the CGI problems by having very brief glimpses of the shark as they fly across the screen. So you don't generally get to see them up close apart from a couple of moments and when they're not on screen at the same time as the actors they are actually pretty decent what i do like about this movie is that it doesn't really have an awful lot of sympathy for its characters in terms of the people that you think there's no way that this guy is going to get killed off it's like nope nope he's dead there's certainly a kind of a Deep Blue Sea-esque moment where somebody is explaining how they're going to fight back and how they're going to get out of there about five seconds before the shark gets him, which is quite fun. It's a perfectly decent movie. I don't think you're going to watch this and think it's the best shark movie I've ever seen, but it's a long way from the worst. Completely. <laughs> Yeah, I think the deaths and the scares were pretty decent in this. Um, it kind of pulls the rug from under you a lot because obviously you're focused on these girls who are doing their best to survive the situation and any little bit of hope or help that comes their way is kind of, well, becomes like sharp food quite quickly. As I say, if you've seen the first one, you kind of know like there's that scene where they think they're being rescued, they're being pulled up in the cage and then the rope breaks apart and then they're back 47 meters down it's awful it's like the kind of things that it just makes you kind of internally cringe because you're just like oh no it's like they were so close um, and then this happens um but so i do like that aspect about these films that you never quite know what's gonna happen next and i i, I do like i i enjoy it a lot and you you just know that these girls are trying to survive and then everything's getting taken away from them and you're just wondering how are they going to get out of this? Like, what is going to happen next? And it keeps you on the edge of your seat. It does, yeah. And it doesn't hang about getting the setup there. It throws you a bit of a left turn because at the start, there's a sequence in an international school for girls where the main character has been pushed into a swimming pool by somebody in the school who's clearly not very nice. And you think that this girl is going to have some bearing on the plot and maybe end up fish food at the end. But slightly oddly, 
you only really see this girl at the start and almost at the very end, which is a strange plot decision considering she's almost set up as this girl's enemy at the start and then they do nothing with her. She doesn't appear until about 70 minutes into the movie in the sort of climactic bit where they go somewhere else, which will not spoil too much because unlike last week's episode i think this deserves not to be spoiled particularly because this is actually worth watching and we can spoil something like shark and saw women's prison massacre because to be perfectly honest nobody needs to see that we've seen it you don't have to whereas with this one it's actually worth giving it an hour and a half of your time yeah it'll definitely entertain you um yeah going back to um the character of the school bully i think it would have been quite an interesting dynamic if she had been involved in the group that went down um diving into the caves and everything. I think that would have been quite interesting to see, like, would they have pulled together? And, like, say if um, the bully was in a predicament where the only person that could save her was the girl that she was picking on, that would have added a bit more development, I think. Because, as I say, in both of the films, they always have someone who's got a little bit of experience with the scuba diving, so they know a little bit but they're not experts by any means. But So you've got that little bit of hope that, oh, that character is going to be able to get them out of it. So, yeah, I think that would have, yeah, probably added a better dynamic to it if they had involved that character a bit more, because it does seem a little bit redundant. But I think then, I guess for her at the end, it's the shock to see how brave she is. Slightly, slightly odd decision, but doesn't really affect the movie too much. I like the fact that also there's the time-worn character within the group that's a bit too enthusiastic and causes all the trouble and freaks out at the most inopportune moments and attracts all the sharks when she's not supposed to. It's a character called Nicole, played by Sistine Stallone, who is Sylvester Stallone's daughter, doing pretty good work here. And we also have another famous actor's daughter in this film playing the uh, main character's stepsister we'd have kareen fox as sasha so i say there's a bit of a um, acting legacy going on in this film which is interesting the character that is played by stallone's daughter she pays homage to him in, in one of the scenes as well um it's a film called cliffhanger i believe i've not seen it but there's yeah. um, a little nod to that in there and um yeah, and also it says two of the actresses in the movie have the name Stallone and Rambo, so they're obviously just um, being playful with that. Considering like the carrying on the acting line, Stallone's daughter, Jamie Foxx's daughter, they're both pretty good in this. I don't think there's a particularly duff performance in this. I think everybody's doing pretty good work. You get John Corbett, who's probably the most known here from various things, like Big Fat Greek Wedding, anybody who watched Sex in the City... He was Aiden in Sex in the City, so Sex in the City fans will recognise him from that. He's less well-meaning in this. He's kind of the voice of reason, but he doesn't have that kind of perfect persona in this. At least they've kind of knocked the corners off him a bit in this one, so he's somebody who you can side with a little bit more easily than the guy who played in Sex in the City, because you just think, oh, he's such a well-meaning guy in that. You just think... I wish he'd shut up, but he's not like this in this one. I'm not going off on the Sex and the City ramp because, well, I'll just say, series, great, film, terrible. 
but let's get back to the sharks um, and particularly the the soundtrack to the sharks which is quite interestingly put together certainly scores points for me by having the look by Roxette on the soundtrack yeah I love the soundtrack and I think it's this interesting juxtaposition between really like fun poppy 80s music with this eerie situation going on and I think when the look is playing it is underwater so you're kind of hearing it like from a different perspective and it's like the main character is trying to find like search for help and trying to find where her dad and his colleagues have disappeared to yeah you can hear that and it's that sort of hopefulness again is she gonna be able to get help and get out of the situation but then yeah it's just got that kind of fun summer vibes you've got the song somewhere in my heart at the beginning when the girls kind of ditch their submarine school trip and then um, head off to go on their own treacherous adventure, let's say. So yeah, no, I agree with that. I think I really like the soundtrack. The cinematography is gorgeous in both of these films. Like they really utilize the location. It's just absolutely stunning. So you've got this really um, beautiful scenery against this horrifying situation. So I really like those elements of these films. Again, going back to the sharks um, themselves, yeah, as you say, like the CGI isn't perfect, but I do like the concept that these sharks are blind and um, they're basically acting on their, their senses and instinct. And I think that does add a scary element to it. It is fun and it's quite in keeping with the plot as well. So that's a nice little wrinkle. They do have that tendency that all indestructible and lethal monsters do in exploitation picks in that within the first hour or so they are lethal and indestructible and then as the movie wears on they become incredibly shit at killing people they have like a million chances in the last 10 minutes to murder the main characters and they pretty much fail in every single one there's one point where one of them allows itself to be killed in a fairly unceremonious way by somebody that's not really properly armed up in terms of weaponry she's got like the tiniest defense against it and still manages to kill it off not going to say how because it is quite fun even though it's absolutely ridiculous yeah i think by the end it's like all bets are off in both of these movies and it just goes a little bit crazy so of course it wouldn't be a shark movie without a reference to jaws and in this one this is what is suggested on IMDb. When the disfigured face pops out of the cave wall, it could possibly be a homage to Jaws when Ben Gardner's head pops out of the hull of the boat. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think that's a pretty good nod. There's quite a lot of things where faces are popping through gaps in caves and things like that. There's a lot of, there's a lot of sharks trying to push their way through little gaps. There's, I mean, there might be a little bit too much of that where you've got somebody trapped on one side of this partition and then the shark's trying to push its way through but i guess it's a minor niggle there are certain rules you've got to play by even in a movie like this so there is a limit to how they can set the suspense up and they come up with enough different ideas on it and they've got that ticking sort of time bomb if you will where the the air is running out it's that old chestnut where you're trapped underwater, you're trying to get back to the surface, you've only got so much air, what are you going to do? Are you going to show yourself, risk yourself getting eaten by the sharks? Is there another way out? So it plays that quite cleverly. 
the ending of it is quite interesting because it kind of has a double ending where you think everything is over and then there's another little bit at the end where something else happens in a slightly different location. It's to do with a glass bottom boat that other people are on. Now, I've been on a glass bottom boat. It wasn't to see sharks. It was just to see fish and sort of, of the various bits of flora and fauna in the sea. So I wasn't getting sharks surrounding my boat, which was quite quite a comforting thing. It uses its situations reasonably well. I think if you're expecting a massive amount of carnage at the end, because there's a hint that everything is just going to go completely off the rails at the end, it doesn't quite get there. But it doesn't really fit with the rest of the movie if all of a sudden you've got a boat full of people getting attacked by these sharks as well. Because, to be perfectly honest, most of them are quite sensible. They stay on the boat. So at least it's got that going for it. You don't have people that suddenly think, oh, right, I'm going to suddenly lose my centre of gravity and fall in the water for no reason at all. So in terms of shark movies, there is a certain amount of common sense to this movie. You don't get people generally in this who are behaving like idiots, which is quite refreshing. Yeah, and I think it's a very atmospheric film as well, especially the setting of the submerged caves. I said I just like that sense of exploration and the unknown going for it. And yeah, as you say, like characters, you know, aren't necessarily like the dumb horror movie stereotypes in this either, which, you know, is nice to see. Um, yeah, you don't really like dislike anyone and everyone's decent enough and they do enough to kind of garner your empathy for them as well like you know it's a horrible horrible situation to be in um that nobody asked for but it's kind of like just so exciting to see where it's going to go and how they're going to get out of the situation so yeah for the 47 meters down films they are great ordeal survival horrors i really enjoyed them so yeah it's a thumbs up from me for both I'm interested as well that the crew, the main ones, uh, you know, the director's the same, the writing team is the same, the cinematographer's the same, the editor's the same. So it's got that sort of feel between them, but they do stand as two fairly distinctive movies. Considering everybody who's in major roles is the same for both movies, you'd think that they'd look and feel quite similar. But I think they stand out from each other as well at the same time. I think there are two fairly distinct movies going on here, even though there are certain tricks with the directing and the writing. They've produced something that's different enough from the first one for it to not feel like a retread or something that's cashing in on the first one. They've moved away, at least, into a different area. Also, at the very end of the movie it does point out that this isn't real life. It does say sharks kill less than 10 people per year, but research estimates show that humans kill up to 100 million sharks per year. So it's putting that sort of thing into context. Yeah, definitely. So it is all, you know, a bit fantastical. Just to finish off, um, we'll have a few facts about the movie. When it was initially pitched, it was going to either be called 48 metres down or 47 metres down the next chapter. And I am so glad they went with Uncaged because it's a lot snappier. It's basically taking away the safety of the cage from the first movie. 
and it's basically saying yeah we're gonna go bigger this time all bets are off so i, I kind of like that they went for that title i'd have loved it to be called 48 meters down just <laughs> just because of the audacity of that i mean i like the title as it is but that would have been great 48 meters down but if it becomes a bigger franchise do you really want us to go like 49 meters down 50 meters down you know you, there's, there's going to be a limit here <laughs> <laughs> the plausibility of it and then also entertainment studios handle distribution for the film and initially set the release for june 2019 but in that february they announced that they pushed the date back to august uh, 2019 in order to avoid competing with annabelle comes home that's a strange one i mean because i don't think they fall into the same wheelhouse yes they're both horror but is there an overlap for the Annabelle audience and this kind of shark movie? I'm, I'm not sure there is. I, I don't think it's the sort of movie that would be taking viewers off Annabelle or vice versa. Uh, but, you know, these people who market the movies, they know more than I do, so they must have known something I don't. I suppose it's like if you've got two well-known franchises, sequels coming out, you don't want to be kind of at loggerheads even though they're very different it's like it's giving people a choice which one do you want to see so i think that's probably why they just wanted to push it back although i would say this one is like a very summery film so at that time of year with um like june or august whatever i think i would prefer to have gone to seen this over something like annabelle but that's another story that's that, that's not my favorite franchise yeah it's a bit of a juggernaut the sort of conjuring universe and all that one again it's not it's not my favorite either i can take or leave the movies in that universe there's nothing especially wrong with them but equally they're not my favorites either i'm not desperate to see any of those you're right you know there's there's a very summery vibe in this movie whereas annabelle seems more suited to halloween yeah i agree no i definitely need like fun 80 soundtrack some beautiful sunshine, some clear waters, and some menacing sharks. I do wish we could chat longer. And that's it for episode 29 of the HD Movie Podcast. As always, thank you for listening. And if you enjoyed what you heard, please follow us on our social media platforms. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at HD Movie Podcast. If you have any movie suggestions that you would like us to cover in future episodes, please let us know and we'll be sure to add them to our list. Coming up next, episode 30. 30 of these, can you believe it? What are we going to do for episode 30? Well, we're not going to tell you just now. We're going to pause Summer of Sharks for a week. We're going to be back with that in episode 31. But we're going to bring you something a little bit different, something special for our 30th episode. Yep, I can't believe we've reached the big 30 already. Very exciting stuff. Thank you to everybody who's been listening to our movie rambling so far. We really appreciate it. And I hope you've had as much fun listening as we have had making these episodes. Yes, we shall continue to ramble. But until episode 30, stay safe, everybody, and we'll see you soon. The HD Movie Podcast is presented by Hayley Alice Roberts and Darren Gaskell. Its music is written and performed by Mitch Bain. You can find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Player FM, Listen Notes and Podbean.